at one point, the people came to Jesus and they asked him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. That is John chapter 6, verses 28 and 29. This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Believing the word of God, when we hear the word of God from the Holy Spirit of God, he brings the word of God to us. It can be a scripture. It can be a concept of what to do. In the midst of a problem, we turn to God in prayer. Help me. What do you want me to do about this? The Holy Spirit who lives in us brings to our mind thoughts showing us the way to go. The Holy Spirit searches the heart of God to know the will of God for us. And he brings to our mind what he finds out about what God wants us to do. I am quoting from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, which tells us these things that the Holy Spirit does today for the believer. Without hearing from God by his Spirit, we stumble about in darkness. And in one of the Proverbs, it says they stumble over things and they don't even know what they stumbled over. But when we have light, light from God, showing us what to do, we no longer stumble about in darkness as the world does. We are no longer trying to figure out what to do. We are turning to God and asking him what to do. And James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him a promise. It You will get wisdom when you ask God for wisdom. That is so critical for us to live by that scripture. As a new Christian in 1975, when I was born again, I learned truth of this scripture. James 1 5. And I asked God for wisdom all the time. God had shown me as a new Christian a verse of scripture about Jesus. In John chapter 5, verse 30, Jesus said, I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. When I read that scripture, I thought, wow, here is Jesus saying, I can of mine own self do nothing. I looked at that scripture for quite some time, day and night, for a few days. And I thought, 
Jesus always hears from God and does what God wants him to do. We have the Holy Spirit in us, so we should do the same thing when we're born again. And if Jesus says he can't do anything, that he can't do it of his own self, he can't do anything, I certainly can't do anything. Therefore, I must hear from God before I do anything. And that's how I went forth with God from the time I was born again. I learned from God to hear the Holy Spirit and what God had to say about the subject before I did anything. And that's the way I've lived for the past 40 years. It's following the Spirit of God who is in me. Let's look at the proof of that the Spirit of God lives in us. There's a passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 3 that tells us that. Verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Now, what difference would that make? Well, when you understand what the Spirit of God does, it makes a huge difference. Because in John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus said, When you're born again, when you have the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God comes, He will teach you all things. He will teach you all things, spiritual and secular. So he's going to teach you what to do about the problem by bringing to your mind a scripture or a concept. It also says that when the Spirit of God comes, he will remind you of everything Jesus has said. As a new Christian, we knew nothing about the Spirit of God. My best friend was a former Baptist, been raised Baptist. And she said to me one day, Joni, you have got to memorize scripture. And I said, I do? And she said, yes, I have enrolled you in Bible Memory Association. And here's what you will do. You will memorize one scripture a week, and I, your sponsor, will hear you quote it by memory. And I will turn it into Bible Memory Association. And at the end of the period of time, I guess they gave me a certificate of some kind. That's man's way of going about this. That was one of the hardest things that I've ever done. Now, I have an earned PhD, or EDD, doctorate. I have an earned doctorate. It shouldn't have been difficult for me to memorize one verse of Bible scripture a week. But that's the hardest thing I've ever tried to do. Because it was man's plan, and it was not the plan of God. Now, Donna and I didn't know that. We didn't know anything. What is the plan of God? Living the scripture. If you live a scripture, you won't have any trouble quoting that scripture. And the Holy Spirit is in you to remind you of everything Jesus has said unto you. 
That's John chapter 14, verse 26. Today, I can quote no telling how many scriptures without looking them up. I often do look them up just to be sure I'm quoting correctly, but I could quote them without looking them up because the Holy Spirit dwells in me and reminds me of that scripture, and I live that scripture. So it's not really hard for it to come to my mind because I'm doing it God's way. Two more things the Holy Spirit does for us. John chapter 16, verse 13. He guides us into all truth. One time God said to me, one step at a time, one step at a time, it is enough. It may look like you have a tremendous mountain to climb, but it's that one step, one step at a time. And then the Holy Spirit will remind you of something else to do, so you do that. And then he'll remind you of something else to do. And before you know it, you're there. One step at a time. God reminding us, using the Holy Spirit, to remind us, to show us something to do. So in John chapter 16, verse 13, we read, He, the Holy Spirit, will guide you into all truth. And then there's one more thing that's in that section of Scripture that tells us what the Holy Spirit will do, and it is He will show you things to come. All of this is by the will of God. It's not asking the Holy Spirit what is going to happen. It is just one day He tells you when God wants you to know something is coming, He tells you. We're not fortune tellers. We're not like the witchcraft people who conjure what is coming in the future. But the Holy Spirit does sometimes show us something that is coming in the days ahead. And often God will do that with dreams. I've had many dreams where he showed me things to come, but sometimes I made the mistake of not having the interpretation to the dream, and I thought it was one thing, And it was actually another thing. I had a dream in 1982 that scared me, really scared me. I was in a tall glass building, and something began to happen outside. It was like bombs falling on the building. And the building began shaking, and it seemed like the building was going to fall in on us. I was a new Christian, fairly new Christian at that time. And I didn't understand that you have to have God's interpretation. And I thought it was pertaining to the banking system. And I warned people that the banking system might be unsafe. Because it sounds like a bank, a tall glass building. God was showing me the destruction of the World Trade Center that was going to happen in 2001. 9-11, 2001, that's what the dream was about. But I learned by my misinterpretation of that dream that you've got to have the 
interpretation from God. He can tell you something, but you must have what it means. Ask him for wisdom. And he taught me by that to ask for wisdom. He gave me a dream uh, concerning starving kittens. I opened the front door of my house, and there must have been 30 or 40 kittens outside my door. And they were starving. And I said to God, what does this mean? I have no idea what this means. And he said, they're the church waiting for you to give these messages. And they're starving for food. So you see, you have to ask God, after you have a dream or you have a concept, what does this mean? How do I do this? Ask for wisdom, and it shall be given you. James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. An absolute guarantee that it will be given to us. So we start there in following God. After we hear something, ask for wisdom on what to do with this. The second time, or third time, I had a dream about starving kittens. That happened on January 10th, 2021. And I said, what am I supposed to do about this? I didn't know how to handle it. Well, something really fun came. During that period of time, Twitter stopped Mr. Trump's account account with Twitter and wouldn't let him do Twitters anymore. And when I heard about them stopping him from doing Twitters, it was really frightening. And I said, oh, I hope they don't stop my account. And the Holy Spirit said, you don't have an account with Twitter. And I said, oh. The next day, I couldn't quit thinking about Twitter. And I thought, well, maybe I'm supposed to have an account with Twitter. I'd already had the dream about the starving kittens. Putting it together. So I said to God, are you wanting me to have a Twitter account? And I was reminded of the dream of the starving kittens. That you can present things from the Bible on Twitter. So I told Pam Padgett immediately, would you see if you how to get us an account on Twitter? And Pam said during that time, she was reminded of the dream that I'd had about the starving kittens. I told her about the dream. And so God put me on Twitter. The same thing happened with podcasts. He put me on podcasts by showing me starving kittens. I try not to do anything at all until I'm sure God has authored it for me to do it. There is a very serious statement in Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to turn to that and we'll read it. Start at verse 21. Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven 
But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. See, this is a situation where you think, well, I should go on Twitter. Is that what God wants you to do? So you check it out by praying and asking God, is this what you want me to do? For if you do some work without it being authored by God, it's very serious. So Jesus says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, I've done this, I've done that. I've built buildings, I've done orphanages, I've built schools, I've traveled all over the world and spoken the gospel. I get that all the time from ministers telling me those things that they have done, that they have done. But they never tell me anything at all that God has told them. It's just what they have done. Verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. I didn't tell you to do that. That was your own idea to prophesy. That was your own idea to cast out devils. And that was your own idea to do many wonderful works. But I never knew you. I didn't tell you to do that. Depart from me, ye worker of iniquity. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Many will come to Jesus in the last day saying that, and he will turn them away. So you have to be sure that the work you're doing is authored by God, or you can be turned away in the day of judgment. So how do I know that it was God's will for me to go on radio in 1980? In the night, I was asleep, and a very loud voice, a trumpet, it was like a trumpet blowing in my ear, and I heard three words, Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. I jumped out of bed, wrote the initials KWJS on a notepad. It seemed to me that that would be call letters to either radio or television, and I didn't want to get those letters mixed up. So I wrote it on a notepad. The next day I looked it up, in a directory, we didn't have internet in those days. I looked it up in a directory and found it was a radio station. So I said to God, are you telling me to go on radio? I wouldn't know how to do that. Well, instantly God showed me how to do it because the Holy Spirit said, call the radio station manager. So I called the radio station manager as soon as the business hours would be open. The manager immediately came on the phone line, and I said to him, God might be leading me to do radio broadcast. How would you do that? And the station manager said, make an audition tape 
29 and a half minutes long, send it to me, and if you fit our broadcasting, we'll offer you a contract. And that's how I went on radio. As soon as I finished talking to the radio station manager, I got a cassette tape recorder. I got a kitchen timer. I set the kitchen timer for 29 and a half minutes. I asked God to help me to put what I needed to put on the tape recorder, on the tape. I don't know how to edit a tape, so it was a one-time recording, a one-time shot, take one. And I just spoke into the tape recorder for 29 and a half minutes. Immediately, when I finished it, I took it and put it in the mail and mailed it to the radio station manager. The devil can attack you like, oh, you should have put this there. Oh, you should have put that there. I didn't know how to edit a tape. I still don't know how to edit a tape. When I speak to you, it's a one-time speaking. I mean, it's from the beginning to the end. Occasionally, one of the dogs will bark, and Pam Paget, with whom I share a house with Pam, she knows technical things, and she knows how to take the dog bark out. But I don't know how to do anything like that. I just keep talking. But you've got to know it's the will of God before you do anything. So often these ministers in foreign countries will send me emails and they'll say, they'll say I'm a pastor or I'm an evangelist or something like that. And then they will say, I'm setting up homes for old folks. I'm starting a school for orphans. I'm housing orphans. I'm going to different places to preach the gospel. Send me money. Buy me a computer. One of them said, buy me a, a camera. And I informed him that a camera has no place in that I know of in preaching the gospel. The only thing you might use a camera for is to take pictures of starving children to try to get other people to send you money. Well, I don't send these people things. I know their works are not of God. None of them ever tell me what God has said. Now, I was tricked once by a pastor in the Philippines. He said he was a pastor. And he told me how much he enjoyed a book I had written, uh, which is Preparing Yourself for the Return of Jesus. And he told me he, he had really enjoyed that book. And he, told, he identified himself as a pastor. And he said that he had a little independent church, not affiliated with anyone, and that he, he in, attached what he was going to teach his church on Sunday morning. And the outline was excellent. Just excellent. And I thought he was good of God. But he got, everything was so twisted when he talked in his email. His outline was very good of what he was going to teach. But when he talked, he, I had to correct him all the time on things he said. He signed his name Reverend. And I told him, I said, no man in the Bible calls himself reverend. The only time the word reverend is used in the Bible is in Psalm 111. Holy and reverend is God's name. 
the men in the Bible in the New Testament. Jesus called them, this is in Ephesians 4, verse 11, 12. Jesus called them, he, he gave to the church some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers that he gave to the church for the ministry of the gospel, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So you should call yourself, as Paul did, an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, but never reverend. He thanked me and said that's what he would do, and he would tell the other ministers to do that. He said they had gone to Bible college, and they told them they could call themselves reverend now. So they did. What God told me was this. A woman came to me somewhere around 1981 after I was on radio. And she said to me, I'm a fan of the radio program. And she said, what do we call you, Reverend? And I said, oh, no, don't call me that. And that's the first time in my life I'd ever even thought about it. But I knew what Paul said. He was an apostle and teacher. I knew what Peter said. He identified himself to the church as an apostle and elder. And I knew what Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8 9 says. Jesus gave to the church after the resurrection some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. So I knew it was proper to call myself by the two offices that God has given me, uh, apostle, prophet. I knew it was proper to identify myself to the church that way, but never would I allow anyone to call me reverend because that is not done in the Bible, and that causes idolatry if you do that. So, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Now I was telling you about that man who contacted me by email 
and identified himself as a pastor of a church in the Philippines. And he attached something at the end of his email that he was going to teach on Sunday morning. And it was excellent. Pam and I both read it, and we just loved it. Scriptures after scripture after scripture. This man really seemed to love scripture. And then he called himself reverend, so I corrected him. And then the next time I heard from him, he said he shouldn't call himself pastor either. So I told him about Ephesians 4 and that, yes, he should call himself pastor. And then he signed his name evangelist. And I said, well, which are you, an evangelist or a pastor? He didn't know what he was. This man had to be corrected over and over and over. And then he said, send me a computer. I prefer a laptop. I knew then what he was. And I sent him an email and I said, I see you as a beggar, as a thief, as an extortioner. And if you continue in the way you're going, you will live your entire life as a beggar. I mean, it's the Lord who's his shepherd, not me. But they don't see it that way. They quote, the Lord is my shepherd, but they want you to send them the computer, the camera. He wanted me to send him a computer and a, what was it he wanted? A projector so he could use it to teach his group what I was writing, what I was writing. And then I realized the outline that he attached to his first email, which caused Pam and me both Pam and I, we both thought that was his outline. We now, neither one of us believe that he did that outline. We think he got it from another man, probably someone where he went to Bible school, who said, you can teach this to your group. I told him I wouldn't read any more of his emails after that point. I don't continue with people who show me that they are beggars and thieves and extortioners and, and say they're in the body of Christ when they get everything twisted. They prove to me they are not in the body of Christ. I don't continue with them. And the reason I don't continue with them is Titus chapter 3. I think it's chapter 3. Let, let's look it up. Titus. Yes, it is Titus chapter 3, and it starts at verse 9. But avoid foolish questions and geneal genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject him knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. Reject him after one or two admonitions. Don't keep trying to teach him for 39 years when every time he communicates with you, you have to correct him. If you have to correct him every time he communicates with you, that man's not from God. 
because if he was from God, the Holy Spirit would correct him. I've made that mistake before with church members. One of them was with us, two of them were with us for 39 years. And one of them, every time she opened her mouth, it was all twisted and wrong. And I would have to bring correction to her. This went on for 39 years, and she finally left us. Let's look at what the Apostle John said. 1 John chapter 2, start at verse 18. Little children, it is the last time, John says to his church group. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us. They were in the church group, but they left us. They went out from us. But they were not of us. For if they had been of us, of God, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of God. So if they leave you, let them go. That shows you they're not really a church member. If they leave you, when you really are speaking the truth from God and are called by God to do the work, and you're faithfully following God and by the Spirit speaking the word of God, and they leave you, let them go. Don't try to get them back because they're antichrist opposite to God. Otherwise, they'd stay with you. And so John says there are many antichrists in the churches. Many. Well, the churches that teach the opposite from the word of God, those antichrists will flock to them. They'll go in large numbers to those churches because it causes them to feel religious. They think it's of God, or they think the building is the church or something. They admire the building. They admire the stained glass. They admire the carved wooden altars where preachers preach. They like the appearance of religion, but they don't love the Word of God. They don't have a strong desire for Scripture. Because if they had a strong desire for Scripture, they would not remain in a church where they taught the opposite to Scripture. They would leave that church group if they're of God. Well, there's so many things on this subject. I, I'm going to have to make a third podcast, and there I will pick up with really basically the first podcast, which is giving you examples of following God, examples of doing the works of God through believing the scriptures. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today. The next podcast will be on the subject. It will be on this more examples of actually of the doing of the Word of God, of hearing things to do when problems arrive. 
and doing those things.